Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Simon Miller and yes, this is a pro wrestling podcast, the second one of the week. If you didn't tune into the one on Thursday, we did Thursday this week, I did it live. So you can actually see me talking into a camera at youtube.com forward slash the Miller Report rules. And if that's something you'd like to see more of, you just have to let me know and I can do it every week. Again, I can never give you a time because I live a crazy world. I never know what I'm going to be doing at any, uh, any given moment. But look, you can tune in on a Wednesday. We can do it every Wednesday evening. So yes, whatever... Whatever works for you uh, works for me. So tweet, hit me up on the YouTube channel. Leave a comment. Go to Twitter, Instagram, at Simon316. Let me know, and we can start doing uh, live, stream, uh, live streams of the shows. But it's completely up to you. If you happen to stumble across that one, and you're now joining me again for my second episode of the week, thank you. I really appreciate it. And as a quick reminder, what we do on the second show of the week is we get a lovely Patreon member on. Because all of my podcasts and all of my personal work is supported by patreon.com for assignment of 316 if that went away so would all of this so i like to give something back and also i just love talking with people about resting so i thought it would be a good thing to do and i'm very happy to say that today he's been on before he's coming back everyone loves a good comeback especially in resting it's my man james how you doing today james Hello, Simon. Doing well. Thanks for having me back. Oh, How no. are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm all right. I had. I was as we talked about sort of late in the early hours. I was in Sheffield yesterday doing color commentary for Defiant Wrestling, which very sadly I would think will probably be my last appearance there for a while, as I have to go get cut open next uh, month for my stupid shoulder injury, which sucks. But it was still fun. I had a good time. And this is a shameless plug for everybody to go over to Access Defiant. And you can, uh, you can watch Fight or Flight. And you get me for three hours. Isn't that a joy? You get me for around about 45 minutes to an hour on podcasts. You can get me there for about three hours. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I'm all right. Yep, never too much Miller. Well, oh, that's, very, that's very kind. <laughs> I think other people disagree. But, you know, yeah. I, like to, I like to buck that trend as much as I can. Now, usually, I mean, usually when we, we get a patron, obviously we talk about their likes, their dislikes, where they've come from, why they like wrestling. But, James, we don't need to do with that, James. You can go back and listen to the episode. Not going to lie, not good with episode numbers. But just listen to them all until you can find them. But amazingly, as James and I were setting up this, um, this, uh, this uh, chat, James came up with a very interesting theory about the world of wrestling we currently live in. And I always like talking about that stuff anyway. But this was also one that I don't think I've heard pitched anywhere else. And I should have asked this beforehand, but and this is going to sound a bit weird out of context, but don't worry if you're listening. We're going to get into it. I'm going to guess, my friend, that this must come from an interest in Formula One as well. That must be where it started. I, would, I don't know, you might be wrong. You may have just connected <laughs> the dots, but are you into Formula One? Is that something you follow? Uh, so Formula One, to me, is what wrestling is to you. It's the It was the thing that got me at eight years old and... Since then, I've never missed a season or a race. Um, so wrestle- Formula One's the top wrestling's sort of... It's nearly on a par now, actually. It's come back to that um, aspect. But yeah, Formula One is something I've always loved from a young age. Uh, my name probably helps, as it's the 1976 world champion's name. I love it. Look at that. <laughs> I love it. Tying it all in, man. That's what I'm all yeah. about. So it wasn't because of that. I got into it. I just saw an advert, and I went, that looks cool. So yeah, uh, shall we on the idea or let's do it but essentially yeah. i mean look we're not going as i said on the thursday show at some point 
we are probably, it depends what happens, but we are probably going to have to talk about that. Maybe we will touch on it in this episode. I don't know. These are free form. That's why I like to keep them open. I think they're more fun. But I think mm. at some point we will have to have a chat about the politics when it comes to the Saudi Arabia shows. Uh, mm. They are becoming more and more convoluted. I've said before, I said it again, I've said it on What Culture videos, I've said it on my podcast. I struggle with the idea of them doing the women's show, Evolution, and Crown Jewel within a week of each other. I think that is very difficult. Yeah. For, I, think, I, don't th- I think even if you talk to the wrestlers, and probably even Vince McMahon himself, if you had that kind of relationship with him, he would go, it ain't great. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I'm not that I'm trying to defend them. They're not, they're doing it. And it's all about what you do. And we probably get to that. But there's also something else going on when we take into the idea of Saudi Arabia and Australia. And James, I'm going to pass over to you to you explain it because you'll do a much better okay. job than I am. <laughs> but um, yeah, there is, there is something going on and it does tie in. Because, like I said, I'm a casual Formula One fan, if anybody knows. Like, I watch the races in the background. I always like to know who's at the top of the Constructors League and, and obviously the World Championship itself. And I, you know, you know, I know, who do I tell you right now? I know Vettel, I know Hamilton, uh, and I know some other names. But do you know what I mean? I know Alonso, who's crap yeah. and retiring. And I know other names as I see them, like I know Botas, but... You know, hmm. I can't. I couldn't even tell you every single team in F one. That's you know, that, I'm, I've got no problem yeah. with that. I enjoy it, but but I know I know enough of it that when you explained your ID to me, I went, you know what? That makes it's just so true. You're just a hundred percent right, and it's almost like this burgeoning business model that a lot of people fall into. But I'm going to pass the buck over to you there, and we'll just get into it back and forth. I will say this is going to be a very different episode of Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast, but for me, in a really good way because. I think we're about to present the theory that not a lot of people have, have touched on before. But yeah, this is this is on you. Oh, cheers! Uh, <laughs> as everyone switches off as we talk well, about Formula One for a bit. If but they no. do, if they do, man, it's more for them. That's what yeah, I say. Because because you're missing out on a good theory. Exactly. Um, yeah. So basically, ten years ago, Formula One. Well, it's more than that, really. Uh, 2000s, Formula One decided to start moving into new territories. So Formula One initially was a European sport. The majority of the races were all in Europe with a few like Australia, Japan uh, and Brazil were the ones outside of Europe. Uh, But come 2000, uh, Bernie Eccleston, the Vince McMahon of Formula One, uh, decided that we should start expanding to Asia. So he introduced Grand Prix in Malaysia, Bahrain, China, Turkey, Singapore, South Korea, India, and then most recently in Russia. Uh, So this was over an eight-year period. So we went from about 17 Grand Prix to now 21 Grand Prix. Now, as I was saying uh, in the theory, uh, the special... Uh, feeling you get from a Grand Prix now has deteriorated because there's now five more than there used to be. Now there's talk that there's going to be 25 Grand Prix and Vietnam has been added to the calendar for 2020. I did not know that. That's that's a that's a crazy location. I mean, we'll talk about that another time. But yeah, so I didn't know that. That's, that's nuts. Yeah, so you've got all these countries um, spending millions on these Grand Prix circuits because the infrastructure that they need for the track is ridiculous. Um, So India, for example, spent something like 300 to 400 million on their circuit. Now, India's got a few issues that they maybe need to spend a bit more money on than a Grand Prix circuit to attract these wealthy people. Now, India's a good example because 
it started in 2011 and only lasted uh, through Grand Prix. That's so. So what was so let's let's start. So what happened? So obviously they they inject a whole lot of cash into it. Uh, you know they, they probably assume that it's going to help their economy and make them look good. But why why did it die? So because that's not long at all, is it? It's not long. It's it free, free Grand Prix. Uh, it hosted. They were unable to sell the tickets. Um, oh, that's because, interesting as well, given what we found out last week. Yeah, so they were unable to sell the tickets. Um, there is a motorsport history in India, but obviously people didn't have the cash to attend this Grand Prix. So they couldn't sell it. They could, And as a result, um, it was decided, you know what, we're making such a loss on this Grand Prix, we're going to stop the deal now because we can't afford to keep doing this every year and make such a loss. Yeah. Um, and a similar thing happened in Korea. Um, the first Grand Prix, they had queues going out onto the cir- uh, uh, around, the, around the circuit because there was such an interest initially. But then that Grand Prix lasted only probably four seasons because actually the entertainment factor that people were expecting wasn't there the quality of the racing went downhill, uh, so they weren't what they were seeing. They weren't interested by. They were getting bored, so they were just going away again because they hadn't that interest um, in the sport. And this is why I've linked it into WWE because we've got these shows where they're going to Saudi Arabia now. They're going to Australia, but if we look at the Saudi Arabia show and the Australian show, what impact apart from the initial ooh? Look, it's the WWE stars that we know. Have those shows had? They've been largely forgotten about or just put aside. These things happen, but they don't really count. And I just worry in the long term what the plan is with WWE introducing these events and if they treat them as these spectacles that aren't part of the regular universe. In- no you're right though like and i think i think that's such a fascinating theory because that's what they're doing right they're accepting Mm. money to go into markets that don't really help i mean financially they help them of course but they don't really help them from a lack of a better term a creative standpoint or a a a long-term standpoint because you're right i think the thing i've certainly been i'm not saying complaining about i like complaining about wrestling i love wrestling but certainly something that i think has uh, got an asterisk over it at the moment is when you try and sort of tell a concurrent story now in WWE, you can't because, you know, it, I mean, look what we've just done recently. We've gone from Raw to the Super Showdown to, and to SmackDown as well, then Raw, SmackDown, then to Evolution, then to Crown Jewel. And while Super Showdown and Crown Jewel seem to be connected, there's also elements of Raw and SmackDown that are not. And I bet when we get to Survivor Series, all that's been forgotten. So you are doing these shows for financial gain. Uh, maybe to try and raise your profile in these countries a little bit, but I think that's of second fiddle. I don't think that's high mm. up at all. And you're right. What happens if they do start running? Oh, it seems like it's the case. You know, we'll take the Saudi Arabia show again, t- again, taking politics out of it, which is a problem. Not saying that, but just looking at it from what it is. If you do start running two shows in Saudi Arabia, much like the F1 was doing with um, uh, tracks uh, across the world, what do you do? How do you get people coming back? Because once you've seen Roman Reigns, you've seen him. And like yeah. you just said, you know, attendance dipped. They've already moved this stadium. They were in a 65,000 seat stadium. They've now moved to a 25,000 seat stadium. Now, I don't know the reasons for that, but I don't think it's out of the realms of madness to go, well, it's probably because they didn't sell enough tickets. And that yeah. is because what, why are you going there to see WWE superstars? But you saw the WWE superstars last time. 
So you're right, they're kind of like these events that exist onto themselves. I mean, it's why I would assume the last one was the greatest Royal Rumble. There's your selling point. The mm. big sell this time is Shawn Michaels is back. Here's a bunch of nostalgia acts for you, which again, I'm all right with both of those things. But what do you, let's say it is a 10-year deal, which is the rumor too. What do we do mm. in 2026? You know, what, what's the appeal then? What's the goal then? Okay, it's great you know politically to say look we can go to saudi arabia not politically but financially to say we can go to saudi arabia and make all this cash but you're right it's diminishing returns not only from a saudi arabia point of view eventually but also from a WWE point of view where they sink their product into the ground and you have to correct me if i'm wrong that certainly seems to be like a criticism of formula one in 2018 is that they've just lost their way entirely and they can't seem to find that excitement to get new fans in exactly and i think the initial deals done were quick money grab. Let's get the opportunity here. And what has happened over the past 10 years in Formula One is a lot of the teams rely on sponsorship. That is the big income for them. Yeah. We, we initially had a load of uh, manufacturers in there that were able to bankroll it, but then they found that they weren't getting enough bang for the buck, so they left. And we all of a sudden had hundreds of millions of pounds just disappear from the sport. Yeah. Uh, but sponsors aren't interested because people aren't watching the, the sport. Uh, television audiences are down. People aren't <laughs> attending the Grand Prix because they're going to territories that don't necessarily have the history and there's empty grandstands. I mean, China has a, has a grandstand on, on the whole back straight that has never been open. Uh, they use it now as a, as a sponsorship opportunity rather than this grandstand that they were trying to fill. Um, so, yeah, Formula One had the initial cash flow, but now it's hidden and teams are struggling. I mean, teams have disappeared from the grid because they just can't afford to run. And I worry for WWE with the, as you say, Shawn Michaels has come back for the Saudi show. OK, if we go next year what's the selling point going to be next year? Yeah. Why, why would they go? Um, because as you say, they've seen everyone. Um, I, and I, guess I think it's amazing as well. Some of the things you're touching on, we're not even talking about wrestling because it's the big chat at the moment, right? You said, mm. you said attendances are down. And you mm. said viewing figures are down. And because of that, sponsors mm. don't want to sponsor it. They don't want to put mm. money in. And that's the big question about WWE. Let's not, be, let's not pretend otherwise. Post-2025, when these new TV deals run out. Like, they've yeah. lucked out with that massively. But I'm sure they have with MF1. I'm sure they locked down some deals. Went, oh, we're oh. going to be all right for a few more years. But a yeah. few more years in business, it's not a long time. Like, 2024 will be here before we all know it. And don't get me wrong, that scares the shit out of me because I'm going to be an old <laughs> man by then. But it's true. Same here. Yeah, I know. Let's not talk about it. But it is. And, and this has been the big criticism of those TVDs. It's like, okay, it was great now and great for WWE. Maybe Fox can open them up to a brand new audience. But if numbers continue to go down, they are not going to get that kind of deal in 2024. And as you've just said, that is going to affect attendances, sponsorship, all these things. And all of a sudden, WWE's not in the the privileged position it finds itself now and is actually in a in a difficult position where it has to try try and fight back and if somebody wants to you know if somebody wants to come on and argue it brilliant please do i'd love to have that conversation however you've just shown in a sport how it can happen and how it mm. can happen that i mean it happened over what the course of 10 years something like that yeah. where you know yeah. f1 kind of just fell off the rails yeah it, indeed and the the issue that there is now with formula one is it's in the UK anyway, it's going to Sky only next year, um, which is 
going to be very interesting to see how the casual fan picks it up. Hopefully, with the Fox deal with WWE, um, my understanding is a lot more people have Fox. So you'd hope they'd be able to get people in. But if the quality of the product on on SmackDown isn't up there, they're not going to stay. They might be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's quite cool for a few weeks. But if we get situations where matches are repeating themselves and storylines are just barreling along with no real um, forward momentum. I mean, I wrote something down um, yesterday. Where's Sasha Banks gone? Is one question that I just wonder. She was okay. The stuff she, they were doing with Bailey and her um, wasn't great, but at least she was on TV. Now she's just vanished. And I, I think, think last time, I think she's injured. However, oh, is she? But no, dude, I'm with you on this one because I didn't know this either. And I, I, I foolishly said that on an ups and downs video, when I get something wrong, I get killed mm. <laughs> by the internet. But that's two of us, right? Let's do, yeah. let's do a quick poll. Who knew that Sasha Banks was injured? I didn't. You didn't. Therefore, didn't. WWE didn't do a great job in letting me know about that. And yeah, you can say it's my fault or whatever. But you're right. It does. I think here's the thing. I think that the difference is this. If Sasha Banks did get injured and we missed it and it's our fault, fair enough. But the yeah. problem is it's not like the first time this has happened in WWE where people have started have just vanished or stories have been dropped. Let's take Sanity. Sanity were in mm-hmm. a few with the New Day and they just went away. They're not injured. No one's talked about them. So that's the issue. Like, it's so easy to miss a line of commentary here and there. But right yeah. now we've been conditioned to the fact if someone just, they just stop a story or they just go away, I guess that just happened. You know, I guess yeah. that just did. And again, I, I say this all the time because some people misconstrue what I'm saying. I still love wrestling. I'm still very positive about wrestling. I can still watch Raw and SmackDown and get a kick out of it. But it doesn't mean yeah. if I take a step back and look at it as a whole, I can't critique it and say, well, that doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense. And eventually, from a mass audience point of view, those stuff, that does add up. And again, we have a wonderful example here in the form of a sport that makes millions of dollars. Uh, you know, the drivers get paid loads. And, you know, at one point they were thriving, whereas now... It does sound, because even I know the criticisms towards Formula One are, but it's just not that exciting anymore. And mm. how often do we hear that after a Raw? You go on the yeah. internet, which is just not that exciting. It feels like the same thing. It's by the numbers. It's boring. These are mm. the things that people say about Formula One, which, exactly. is, why, which is why it's amazing that now WWE's almost um, uh, you know, model has become, okay, well, let's go abroad and, and take these big money from these, these princes or these governments or whatever, which again, is exactly what they did. Did this all happen after Bernie Eccleston left? If you don't know anyone listening, Bernie Eccleston used to run F1. All I know is he left and sold a few years ago, but that, that's all I know. That's my headlines. Interestingly enough, no, he only sold two years ago. Right, um, okay. So, And actually, he still has a visual uh, role with Formula One. He, he was at the Russian Grand Prix recently meeting Putin. Well, we, we'll just leave that there. Um, but there's... He was the one brokering the deals. He was the guy going out there and convincing these governments, spend millions of pounds, come and join us, Come. this will do great for your tourism, it'll highlight you on the map, you'll get people viewing from that have never heard you, of your country. I mean, there was a big push with Bahrain and Abu Dhabi uh, and Singapore, countries that have a lot, lots of money but weren't necessarily tourist destinations or known about in cases of Abu Dhabi. Um, So first Grand Prix there was in 2009. It now holds the last Grand Prix of the year in the hope that the championship will will go there. 
so everyone's talking about it now since it's been the last race i think the championship's only gone down to the wire twice um so it's not really worked in that respect but um it's um interesting the places that we seem to have gone there was in bahrain i remember there was a lot of issue um politically uh turkey got dropped because of political issues uh south korea was just attendance mainly but there was a little bit of political issue there yeah Uh, and obviously russia um when it was introduced and it's still going on is politically controversial and again this is why the sponsors are, are shying away i believe because they don't want to be involved in this controversy and wwe with their events in saudi arabia for example and especially with the evolution comparison evolution's happening what five days before they go to saudi yeah, arabia yeah the, the the timing of it isn't great and if you're a sponsor if you're a company that's associated with wwe and you're like yes evolution's brilliant this is the first women's pay-per-view in wwe history look how forward progressive we are five days later you go into saudi arabia and the message that that sends it's completely contradictory to what you've just said five days ago, earlier. Yeah. And it, 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 it makes me feel uncomfortable talking about it. I think a lot of fans, if you look at the history of Saudi Arabia and bits and pieces like that, it makes you feel a bit, ooh, is this right? Um, but there's lots of money. And money talks. That's it. And that's why... Again, you're right, though. But I mean, do you think the political... I mean, I guess F1's been a bit more proactive with that. But do you think the political leanings when it comes to F1 is the reason some people have turned off? Or do you think that's mostly just down to that it's become, you know, too much money, as they say, has corrupted that sport and too many weird rules and stuff like that? I I, I think Formula One has become... or It it definitely did under the last years of Bernie's um, reign. Uh, became very self-obsessed. Um, Bernie actually came out and said he's not a fan of social media um, and he's not interested in having fans under, I think, 35 or 30 because they have no money. And he actually, it, I'm paraphrasing, but the, the, there is a quote out there of, on that basis. And it, at the time, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so we've got no money. You're not interested in us. Where's the future of this sport going? Because if there are no fans in 20 years' time, there's no sport. You're just running around, driving cars in front of nobody. And I think WWE's done a good job in that respect because it's become uh, the PG era. It's become a bit more family entertainment. And they're, they're trying to go, right, okay, we need to get some fans in. But if they're going away and, and doing these bits and pieces, the money that they, they've got after 2025, 20, where the deals need to be redone, is there going to be the money that they, they're going to be paying all these superstars? Well, that, that is, honestly, man, and, there's a, it's just, it, it, the whole situation is nuts when you look at it like that. Because obviously, mm. yeah, the other thing as well is that people said... You know, WWE's in this great financial power and they can pay all these superstars to come in and money's no option. But it does, it, it can become a problem if we do, mm. like I say, if we do get a few years down the line and all of a sudden, and, no, it, it, they are suffering from the same problems. I understand they're completely different sports and they run different ways. But look, Bernie Eccleston was like the Vince Man of WWE. That's how I should probably have, uh, that's how I probably should have uh, described him. But he is, that's true. He is. Yeah. That, that's what he was like. It, was all, it all went through him. He decided what was what. 
And I guess eventually he just got sick of it. I don't know. I don't know why he did. I guess he's old, really. He, he got bought out. Formula One got bought out from underneath him. Uh, oh, so he's Ted Liber- Turner, right? So he's Ted yes. Turner. <laughs> so so Liber- Liberty Media bought, uh, bought him out, uh, bought the company that he was effectively working for, and said, Bernie, you've done a great job, but you're old school. And since then, they've gone down the social media front. They've try. I think they're trying to release something that's similar to the WWE Network in that you can sign up to Formula One TV, you can watch all the races, and you can hopefully they'll have an archive because that's something I love about the network is you've got that archive. So, okay, you don't like the current product. You can go back and see. Yeah, but, but you remember, yeah. Yeah, but if you're a new person coming in, what you have is this this and you don't have that nostalgic feel and you might not go back and be interested in the history of it all or or seeing people um like the undertaker in his prime um unlike what is being that he's currently current years since probably well probably since that end of the era match to be honest even then well, that's the, I mean, that's the other thing as well. Obviously, that's the beauty of pro wrestling, is that you can you know you can't bring you can't bring Nigel Mansell <laughs> back into <laughs> Formula One because obviously when we're talking about I hate this term but it's just there when you're talking about actual competitive sport you know Father Time does catch up with you and you're like well I just can't I can't do this anymore you know people are younger and better that's you know, true to a certain extent in pro wrestling but mm. they are they are using gimmicks to sell these shows. I mean, mm. I mean, they just are. And again, I didn't realize this until the other day. I, I just thought it was an Australian tour. It wasn't. The reason they aired the Australian Super Showdown on the network is because Melbourne paid them to do so. You know, they, oh. it was, yeah, it was, it was the same kind of deal to Saudi Arabia. As far as I know, I've only done a little bit of reading on it. But from what I can tell, it's certainly the same deal where a country came in and said, look. And also, it ties into WrestleMania, right? WrestleMania mm. these days is such a big event. And it brings so much tourism and so much economy into wherever people host it. People bid. You know, Vince, Vince McMahon and WWE doesn't have to go to anybody anymore. They will come to him and then they say, Vince, please bring WrestleMania to our town, to our village, to our whatever, because we can give you this and we can give you that. And then all the WWE executives go away and think about it and go, where can we make the most money? Where can we get the best deal? And it was definitely not like that back in the day. I mean, you turn the clock back to WrestleMania 13 that did one of the bu- worst buy rates for WrestleMania ever. I think it was mm. in Chicago. I can't remember the top of my head, but, you know... It wasn't, it wasn't like that then. It really wasn't like that at WrestleMania 17, I don't think. Ha! WrestleMania 13 was at Chicago. What a loser I am. Well, it was in Illinois, I should say. But, um, it's close yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, it's close, yeah. So uh, that, I, I, I find it fascinating that we've, got, uh, that we've got to this point today where their business model is, is stronger than ever. But there's also, again, this huge sort of sword of Damocles holding over their head, which could fall down. And yes, mm. on a political level... That is, that, is, that, is, that is the real thing. Like I say, I've not seen one person come out. I've seen people come out and say, well, if anybody offered me $45 million for four hours' work, uh, which is a bit unfair because that's, that's ignoring what the people that set up the, the venue do. You know, they work hard as well. And I get that. I think Dave Meltzer has summed this up best. I get that from a business point of view. But when you take it, everything else, the fact there is an all-women's pay-for-you days before, the fact that you're walking around saying, oh, revolution, evolution, it's not... I don't think anybody can sit there and be entirely comfortable with it just because it's not a comfortable thing. It just isn't. And I understand that a company has to make money. I would never want a company not to make money. And I don't want to see WWE go out of business. Of course I don't. I love it. I watch it every week and it provides the majority of my entertainment. But I think you've got to find that moral line. I think morality is really important, especially given what we're talking about here. 
in terms of what you're going to do long term and what you're going to do down the line and how you're going to appease that hardcore or core audience. And doing this kind of stuff, I do think affects some people. And I can, in fact, I don't want to speak on behalf of this demographic, so I apologize. But my guess would be mostly a lot of female fans are like, what the fuck is this? Like, mm. I like the fact that you're doing an evolution pay per view long overdue. You know, long overdue. I think, you know, there's a few matches on there, especially that I'm looking forward to. But having an all women's pay per view. It might, it's just my words. Please get in touch and say, Simon, you don't know what you're talking about. I probably don't. But having that, to me, is quickly undermined by five days later saying, but here's your all-man pay-per-view. Because that, again, it just, I mean, it's bad enough on Raw and SmackDown where you can tell sometimes they still do, well, this will be the women's segment, which they mm-hmm. should kill. Which they've killed a lot. To be fair, SmackDown's a lot better for <laughs> it. But, yeah, and I, I find it, maybe it does. Maybe it does bring everything to the. Maybe it does bring everything crashing down. I don't know. I can't predict the future. Or maybe eventually Vince McMahon walks off into the sunset. Triple H comes in and changes the model. I don't know. Again, it's a stock driven company. Hmm. That is always going to be what, unfortunately, better or worse, that is what's going to be drives things. How do we appease our stockholders, our shareholders? Because they're the people that are essentially funding all of this. Indeed. And, and that's one criticism of Formula One is it's a business before it's a sport and WWE okay it's entertainment but it is on the stock market it has to appease those shareholders and I just wonder when they decide okay we've got our big four pay-per-views Survivor Series tends to be the one that falters a little bit I wonder when they'll decide to actually do one of those abroad or if they do, I suspect they will, because that'll make it special. That'll be the... F- I don't know if they've done Survivor Series abroad before. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't think so. But that would be a, a unique selling point of, look, we've got this Survivor Series match. It's at this time. It's first time ever in this great massive stadium. It's going to sell out because we've never been here before. And look, aren't we doing amazing? And the shareholders will look at that and go, oh, yeah, we've sold out a 70,000-seater stadium. Brilliant. Okay. Let's, the, stock, the price of the stock will go up. And it, it's $100 or something. I don't know. A stock now or something. It's gone over that. Know, so. Let's have a look. I'm sure we just have it to Google it with Ted. It's 82.99. But I think, no. it, I think it dropped the other day. I think I heard no. that. But I, actually, I've got a little thing here. Uh, oh, no, it hasn't dropped at all. It did drop in – that was a year ago. Okay. No, wait, what? No, wait, it has dropped. Sorry, I don't understand stocks. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it has dropped, apparently. Apparently, okay. apparently it was up to $85, and that was a few days ago. But again, I don't know enough about stocks to... to, to but it has dropped. I can see on the graph there is a steep drop. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't so know what's happened. happened. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know what it is. I'd love to. I mean, I've got a news article here. I know that someone's written about uh, W stock was well over ninety one dollars per share, but it recently decided to take a turn. It's now sitting at eighty two dollars. Um, many are surprised by this turn because W hasn't made any major business announcements. So I mean, there's nothing here that that, that could that could point that out. But that is, it's weird that side of wrestling because I've always said this, and I agree. I think it's the same with raw ratings as well. It's an interesting discussion point as we're doing now. But I don't think it's something that fans need to overly worry about because. What do you care, really, what a show does in terms of millions of viewers? What do you care how much money the WWE earns? Like, it doesn't affect your enjoyment of, uh, of anything. However, if it is going to have long-term ramifications, then I do think it, it kind of changes that. Because right now, I'm looking at the stock, and I'm like, well, I don't know why it's, I don't know why it's collapsed so much, but I'm certainly 
it could affect things going forward. So we are, we're living in an interesting time. And I think social media plays a huge part in that too. We do now have access to, to, to sort of analytics and statistics that we never had back in the day. Like when I was watching Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, I didn't care about that stuff. But now because it's thrown into my face, I do get, I do get a little bit more fascinated than, I don't need to, it makes no difference to my enjoyment, but I do, I do know more. Um, but I do think it's a fascinating time for WWE. I really, really, really do. Like, again, I don't hold it against them for wanting to make money. But I think when you start getting into the nitty gritty, then I do start to find it problematic to say, mm. to say the least. I think your morals has got to come first. I just do. Especially when you've signed $2 billion TV deals. And you don't really need... I get that $45 million for per show, whatever they're getting, is a ridiculous amount of money. But it, it, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just... I pers- personally, it's not for me. That's... You know, that's all I'll say. And again, as we have proven here, I feel, given that we have a business model, model elsewhere that has shown that it's not always, you know, pissing off your consumer and your customer is not always the best way to go. Maybe maybe don't do it. So as a, as a long-term F1 fan, and we're going to tie this into mm. wrestling, of course, what do you want to see from, from F1? And the reason I ask is because I know you're going to say things, I'm going to laugh because it's going to sound like people on Squared Circle. You know, yeah. in, in a good way, in a good way. But yeah, what do you want to see changed how do they do it? Why aren't they doing it? And how, you know, where, where, because obviously I know Lewis Hamilton's pretty much won this year's championship. So, yeah, yeah like what, what do they do? What do they do? Well, I, I believe they need to focus on what they've got rather than this mystical thing that they're trying to chase. And this, as you say, is something that wrestling seems to be doing as well. They, they seem to be chasing after something. Look at what you've got. Start going, okay, what's working? What isn't working? And the problem with Formula One is it's become too complex. Take a lot of the wings off these cars and and make the engines less complex. Make it more relatable to your viewer. And and allow us to actually... like The social media bits and pieces, I believe now with Formula One, it was great when... Liberty reduced the limit on social media and they allowed the teams and everyone to show us what was going on. But I believe that it's become too much. In fact, we know too much in Formula One and similar in wrestling. We know too much now. We're too smart. And as a result, I think sometimes we look at things and we go, well, I know that's a load of rubbish because I've seen this elsewhere. And I'm not enjoying the story. I think with some of the bits and pieces that we get, the WWE exclusive content for uh, After Raw. So when the Bellas attacked Ronda, there's there's a video on there. I've not watched it because I want to know what happens next week. I don't want to immediately know. I, I want to be told a story. And Formula One has a tendency of going, oh, look at this. Look at what else we're doing away from the track rather than what's on the track. And I think WWE is doing that, the Mix Max Challenge stuff and bits and pieces. They're promoting those and they're going, look at uh, look at what else we're doing, not at what we're doing on Raw because Raw has got the lowest rating uh, in TV. But interestingly, I've seen that the Bella Twin attack is on YouTube is over 4 million views. So when people, I think you said something similar um, on one of your videos um, that, yeah, okay, the TV ratings are down, 
but where else are the views coming from? And that's a great example. 4.1 million, I, I think mean, it was this morning. Exactly. I mean, that's basically, you know, double what they do. I understand it's like a five-minute clip compared to a three-hour yeah. show, but that is interesting. It's certainly interesting to me because... In fact, let's get it up now. I'm going to go look at WWE's YouTube channel. Because, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's, I'm not saying it's like Attitude Era numbers, but, you know, it's certainly much better than they do now. And I'm not saying that, I, I get it, YouTube is not the same mm. as what they can do on, you know, you, you want TV numbers. Because even though they're one of the biggest YouTube channels around, they, they're not going to be making the same money. They, it's not a long-term business model for them in terms of the amount of revenue, the amount of money they need to make. But you're right, as you're looking at it now, the Bella Twins attack gets 4.1 million views. Kurt Angle's return, 3.6 million views. Somehow, mm. hilariously, Shawn Michaels coming out only has done 2.9 million views, which maybe sums up that return and how nobody actually is that into it, which is very strange. Uh, and mm. even, even that, you know, Natalia helping Ronda Rousey leaving the arena, 2.5 million. Roman Reigns, 2.1 million. 2. Again, a lot of these could be the same people. I think there's a thing that... Most of them are uh, from India. I think there's, a, there's hence the Jinder Mahal experiment we had last year because they were looking at YouTube yeah. analytics and going, oh, okay, a lot of people are coming from there. But I, I, I do think you have to look at it when you start, talk, when you start talking about where we are w w with TV writings. And it's great that they've embraced this model and you know, they've, they've taken it to this point. But as you have just said, um, it's... You know, you, you will still watch F1 because you're a fan of it, but you kind of feel like they're out of touch with you, right? That's what it feels like. It feels like they're not in touch with my wants, my needs, or what I'd like to see from the sport. It's too much in my face. It's too complicated. And to be a fan, you need to know too much. And you can mm. take all of that and apply it to the world of pro wrestling. The amount of times that I've said, you know, why, you know, how is a new, how is a new uh, viewer meant to understand any of this? You know, like there's no real sort of barrier to entry that's that, that easy anymore. And I, I don't. I guess maybe both companies are living too much in 2018. I don't know that. I don't want to start. I don't want to start talking about companies in that sense. But maybe that is the problem. And maybe we do need to take a step back, rethink it. I, I, so go on, man. I guess I, 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 I'm not a businessman, so I'm not going to comment on it. But you know, I, I do think there's an argument to say that we could be living in a different world in the mid 2000s. Yeah, uh, I think. It's, it's an issue that has been uh, on the rise uh, for the past few years because social media is such a new thing. It, it wasn't around to this extent 10 years ago. And in the past three, four, five years, it has just rocketed. I mean, Twitter now, um, I used to work for the NHS. Um, a lot of our planning was maybe not the best because it was, okay, what's the impact going to be what's the immediate um reaction going to be to this and it's part of the reason i don't work there anymore um <laughs> but it it it's um it is a whole new ball game for companies and they're not ready for it and that i believe they're all focusing on the here and now because we've got such a reactionary um uh, uh community now i mean we're doing a podcast podcasts are, are out and about all over youtube is instantaneous i mean all you need is your phone you're straight on i think this bang um and it's all about the here and now and what we can do at this moment and we see that with the wwe storylines they do stuff and it's like let's do this and then the next week oh we won't mention what we did last week <laughs> it, it's well and um, like SummerSlam. 
Finn Balor came up. Like, I'm, I'm the Finn Balor guy. Um, <laughs> Finn Balor came out as the demon and everyone was like, yes, the demon's back. And he destroyed Corbin. And then the roar afterwards, he got his title shot and he nearly won it. He was never going to win it, but he nearly won it against Reigns. <laughs> and it's like, yes, Finn Balor's back. And then, oh, hmm, hold on. He's, uh, bye. He's now doing this B&B uh, business model with um, Bailey, uh, <laughs> which just, you're just like, oh, I can't get invested. Like, my feeling, Finn Balor now for me, unless he goes to SmackDown, I I just feel he needs to leave the company. Oh, no, I, um, I, I totally get that. And I, I don't I don't think um, that's uh, uh, an unfair criticism either, because what does he do? And what yeah. future does he have? Like, again, he beat Baron Corbin, like you said, as the demon in seconds. And then that was that. He just yeah. vanished. And he's in limbo at the moment. Same with Jinder Mahal. Like, there's loads of sanity. We mentioned them. Um, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, to me, I don't really feel like they've got much to around. I know they're going to have a feud. But, you know, outside of that, same with, I worry about Aiden English. Like, mm. it, it's very strange usage of of talent at the moment. Again, you said how much you liked Finn Balor last time. I can understand why you're worried because yeah. he's not all of a sudden, well, maybe you can do that. Like the authors of pain, they've, they've saved them in, in weeks, but it, it, it is strange. It is strange. And the, the interesting thing as well, especially, which I actually wanted to talk about. So this is a great segue into it is in this week's wrestling observer newsletter. I don't know whether you saw Dave Meltzer said that the climate backstage at new Japan has changed a little bit to, in the sense that, some guys that never thought about leaving because of this new management system that's in place, some of them are like, well, maybe I will leave. Maybe this isn't such a, a lock that I thought it was. And that's going to be a really interesting dichotomy because you've got people in WWE, I assume like Finn Balor, who can't be 100% happy with this lot, thinking about going. Obviously, Neville left, turned back up in Dragon Gate. But then if all of a sudden the other big company, the other side of the pond, they start making moves that kind of irks a few people as well, then you've got this incredible situation where... I don't know where do people go. Like the grass is always greener, right? But maybe that's not true. Maybe that's not the case. Uh, I, I think if Finn Balor went back to New Japan, you know, I think I think he'd absolutely smash it. But I don't know. I don't know about his personal life. Like I know again, mm. Gallows and Andersons vanished from the face of the planet. But from yeah. what I, from what I gather from especially Luke uh, Andersons, um, Luke Andersons, um, you know, what I'm talking about from his uh, from his Twitter, he seems really happy in America with his family. He's mm. loving life. He's got a smile on his face. So while from a fan's point of view, I mean, like why WWE are not using him more? If he's happy and he's content, then you know who am I? Who am I to say anything? But I did find that report from Dave Meltzer interesting because New Japan for the last year, two years, maybe even three years, has been the dream where you can go yeah. and you can be creative and you can do all these things. If that's now gone away, and I know how true it is, like people are already saying, well, who's ever said this is talking bollocks? But it does change the, you know, it does it does change the lay of the lay of the land again. Like if people who never thought about going to WWE are now thinking, oh, maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go to WWE. That just puts more power in their hands, and I'm sure it would annoy a lot of fans if it did go down. I mean, I don't know what names he's talking about. I saw an interesting thread earlier where people were mentioning Akada, Tanahashi, uh, and Akada. And pe- and pe- I said Akada twice. People, people were saying that. but He's it, doubly considering but it. But I think if it happened, it would be that big. That's why I said it mm. twice. But, you know, I, I, th- I agreed with what they said. Naito was who I meant to say. Like, if they even thought about leaving, I imagine the new management would be fired straight away because you can't mm. lose guys like that. It, w- it, w- it would be nuts. But, you know, I don't think we're living in... We're living in interesting times when it comes to pro wrestling. Nothing seems to be for certain. Everything seems up for grabs. You know, everyone's trying to expand. Everyone's trying to use social media to, you know, make the world, make the world feel a little bit smaller. And maybe that's why WWE feels the need to, to do all these things. I don't know. Maybe it is a cash and grab at the moment. You know, do what you can and then, you know, down the line, figure it out. Mm. It's interesting because 
last time I was on, it was um, a few weeks before All In. And you asked me the question whether I was excited and I said I was. And, and, but I also said that I was excited for the aftermath as well, because it's such an unknown um, event and it was a success for that night. And with the change in New Japan, are we going to see All In 2? Or, because it looked a certainty three weeks ago, and I, I still believe we will, but those doubts of, hold on a second, if New Japan is becoming less fun to work for, I know I can go to WWE and maybe my uh, creativity is going to be limited, but if it's going to be limited here, I might as well get paid loads of money and do it at WWE. Yeah. And, and if I'm American, be back home in America as well it, it it's it's become it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan because there's so much in the air at the moment the 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 indie scene is going from strength to strength like from all in i started watching impact a bit more i've, I've got a new japan subscription although i can't watch it much um so there is options but you just wonder where those options are going to be in two, three years' time. I think Whether this is the boom. Yeah, no, I, I think I think everything could change really, really, really quite quickly. Um, so we'll, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a fascinating time. I really, do. I, I totally agree with you on All In too. You know, Cody Rhodes kept saying double or nothing. I don't know. All In was weird now in retrospect. I, I do think it was a, I think it was a huge success, and you know, everybody loved it, and we had a good time. But we're still waiting for this mammoth. Yeah, this mammoth chain is still early days. We don't know what's going to happen. But it's just that report from Meltzer, it could be bollocks, who knows. But when that came out, I was like, maybe it's not, you know, maybe the world isn't so anti-WWE as a lot of sort of hardcore fans want to make out. You can still go there, make a lot of money, be a proper celebrity, a superstar, as they would say. And, you know, you're on the biggest stage. There's no two ways about that. And there's only a few people that can operate outside of that, Chris Jericho, being, mm. uh, being one of them. And the reason I wanted to mention Chris Jericho is because these rumours persist that he is potentially going to turn up in uh, Balfour Glory Impact on this Sunday. And he does have ties. The Winnipeg connection is there. Impact mm. and WWE, as he talked about on Thursday. Uh, they had meetings, talks recently. So maybe, you know, maybe there is... Uh, yeah, maybe... I don't know. Maybe there, there is a working agreement there where they don't care if Chris Jericho goes to Impact because they don't see them as any, any set of a threat. I mean, I think it'd be a bit weird because... I try to watch Impact when I can. I would definitely watch if all of a sudden uh, Chris Jericho's there just out of intrigue. Whether or not he'd keep me, I don't know. But if, that, if they put on a good show, I certainly would. But where do you kind of fall on that? Do you think Chris Jericho will turn up in Impact? Do you want to see him in Impact? Maybe you, I saw a few people saying they're a bit bored of these surprise entrances by, by Jericho. It's getting a bit passe. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I accept the argument. Like, do you want to see it? Would it make you watch Impact again? Like, you know, how, how do you see that falling out, given that it could happen? This will probably go, go up on Saturday or Friday, but it could happen within 20 to 48 hours' time. Yeah, so by the end of the weekend, we'll know the answer. Yeah. So, so um, I, to be honest, I like... The more Jericho I get, the better, to be honest. Um, but I can understand the criticism of, yeah, he's just turning up willy-nilly everywhere. But It'll be interesting because he's such a WWE guy, um, traditionally, and he's doing what he's doing in New Japan, and turning up an impact, 
it'll be interesting given that these meetings happened with WWE and Impact, possibly just for rights to video. But is there going to be a closer link between wrestlers that maybe aren't used by the WWE, maybe appearing on Impact as a bit um, like the deals that Mustache and Mountain and uh, I think Pete Dunne have. Well, that's right. I mean, especially if, because the big rumour for ages has been that come 2019, we're going to completely uh, redo the redo the network. We're going to have new, we're going to have different tiers. And, you know, one of the big tiers is going to be able to stream non-WWE programming. Now, I don't know mm. what the situation with Pop TV and Impact is. I know there's been rumors they're going to kick them off and blah, 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 blah. But I... Maybe Impact does go on the WWE Network. And if it does, then you could have someone... I don't think everybody, because you don't want to put too much of a light on no. them. But you could have people like Chris Jericho that are here, there, and everywhere turning up. And it's not going to make much difference to WWE. Especially if they can then go, hey, you want to know where you can see this? You can see it on uh, you know on the WWE network that's just good promotion for them come see what Chris mm. Jericho is doing I, I i just i don't know if it's a really interesting situation i'm sure bound for glory will come and go and there'll be no chris jericho i think they're going to have a good show the card the card certainly sounds uh, certainly sounds good but i don't i don't know I, i'd love to see it it would make me get out of my way to watch it but i do think it's interesting you know if there can be some kind of working relationship between tna i keep calling them tna between impact and wwe that allows more stuff like that to happen it certainly works for the fans do you know that's certainly the most things uh, that's certainly a fun thing for a fan to be able to enjoy because that's what again think about when jericho turned up at all in everybody went nuts yeah. they weren't expecting it and yeah eventually that becomes a little bit more obvious but I don't know. I, I, we'll, we'll wait and see. I think it could be one of those passing things. Uh, the other interesting thing about Chris Jericho, I, and you never know with him, he trolls all the time. But I know he went on Twitter. Somebody asked if he was going to go on the Saudi Arabia show and he just said, no, thanks. Mm. I mean, I don't think he would say that if he was going because that's just asking, especially in that, that's a hotbed of, you yeah. know, I, I don't think you go on, they're just going to piss people off. So I, I don't uh, think he would do that. He was at Greatest Royal Rumble, so he's done that. He's, he's got the paycheck for that bit. He probably went. Nah, I don't need to do that. Yeah. For now, it's as we've said before. It's a bit of a a hotbed. I mean, this is the thing with the, the Shawn Michaels retirement and the bits and pieces there. I mean, his retirement is probably the perfect retirement because he was was still competing. He was still up there, and seeing him at Super Showdown was it was great. Seeing him running down the down the ramp and and catching his breath at the end and just going oh wow this is a long ramp and just messing about and you're like oh it's Shawn Michaels but then when he was in the ring it was like oh it's it's Shawn Michaels but not the Shawn Michaels um and it's going to be interesting come Saudi Arabia what Shawn Michaels we get how long the match goes what bits and pieces we get in spots we get and if he if he comes back a bit more full time as well um what do you do you want it do you want it i tell you man and again i was never the biggest Shawn michaels guy plus he blocked me on twitter so you know i got to be in my bonnet <laughs> about it i don't care and I'm, I'm not against it fair play to Shawn michaels if he wants to come out and make loads of money who the hell am i to tell him otherwise mm. but from a fan point of view, in terms of me tuning into Raw or me tuning into the Saudi Arabia show, I don't, it doesn't bother me. Okay, great. Mm. I, I say this, it's going to annoy everybody and I'm going to become a cliche. I enjoyed Goldberg coming back more. <laughs> I just did. I enjoyed, <laughs> Go I thought it was more fun. 
I, I, the Shawn Michaels thing doesn't mean that much to me, even though I don't really care about wrestlers breaking or reneging on their retirement stuff. It's pro wrestling. If I'm going to get mm. mad about that, I'm going to have to kill myself because they <laughs> all come back. However, yeah, like it's, it's, I don't know. It's just not, it just doesn't bother me. I just don't, no, don't bother me, but I just don't, I have no emotional connection to it. It happened on mm. Raw. And I was never a big DX dude either, which I know is going to drive a few people nuts. <laughs> but I much prefer Triple H when he went out, uh, when he went on his own. But yeah, mm. but yeah. I, I mean, what, are you, do you care? Do you not care? Like, could you do without it? Do you think it's because it's a Saudi Arabia show? I don't want to see him at WrestleMania 35. I'll say that. No interest what, mm. whatsoever. I, I'm, I'm a bigger Shawn Michaels fan than yourself. Um, I loved his matches when he came back. I didn't see him initially because uh, it was 99 when I got into wrestling. But when he came back and was doing the things in 2006, the run at WrestleMania, the two matches at WrestleMania with The Undertaker, which were just, they're, they're perfect to me. A fantastic. Even his match against Ric Flair, where he retired him, that got me on, that got me on an emotional level. So he's brilliant at that. Um, in terms of him coming back, I feel that, it's something The Undertaker said in an interview with Ed Young on YouTube, where he's out of character. It's a brilliant interview. It's really good, seen, yeah. Really not good. seen that, please, half an hour. That's all it is, and it's brilliant. And The Undertaker said something that I felt hit a chord. You always feel like you've got one more match left in you. And I think working at NXT, Michaels is there. He's in it all. He's seen it all. His body's recovered a bit, and he's just thinking... He's had that offer, and he's going, yeah, I've got one more match left in me. Definitely. Especially if it's a tag team. Can do that. No problem. Nice nice paycheck. I'm sorted out. So I don't begrudge him in that sense, but I feel it'll be one of these things that it's like you have the perfect retirement. You come back for one night, maybe. And then it'll get forgotten about, hopefully. All right, so let, let's let's end this big, James. This is it. This is it. He is going to wrestle at WrestleMania 35, let's say, in this hypothetical world that I'm creating right now. Mm. He is going to take on The Undertaker for the third time. However, the stipulation this time is that Shawn Michaels says, this is 100% my last match. But if I beat you, Undertaker, you have to retire as well. And WrestleMania 35 ends with Shawn Michaels retiring The Undertaker. I've just made it up at the top of my head. But let's say, let's say that does happen. Mm. Does it make this return worth it? Does it undermine what Shawn Michaels did? Is it going to be so, you know, just not what we can expect it to be? Because Undertaker's old Shawn Michaels, though, that it's a waste of time. How, how do you feel when that happens? I, I would love it, to be honest. I, I'm just thinking about it just now and going... As soon as you said it, I was like, oh, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> I should be booked. I, I, Why am I not creative? Yeah, that's a good idea. That that sounds like the perfect end to The Undertaker. But I feel like The Undertaker would come back the ne next WrestleMania. <laughs> that's the well, only issue. So is was Shawn, so is Shawn Michaels now. You can't trust yeah. him now. He no, broke his can't. word. He broke his exactly. damn word. It's like, you saw this match for one last time. Now come back to WrestleMania 36, where it's all or nothing. Look, man, um, they, they, they do that all the time. We had once in a lifetime. Then we had last match ever. All bollocks. All of it. Mm. All of it. So, if if I could believe it would be the last ever match for The Undertaker and the last match for Shawn Michaels, then, yeah. But 
I've become cynical. Um, <laughs> wow, we all have, man. Yeah, I mean, coming coming back since January this year, and I've got to that point now where I've been back 10 months, and the glow and the gloss and everything, okay, that's that shine is still there. I mean, this morning I've just watched the triple threat match for the North American Championship on NXT. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah. Because it's unbelievable. So there's still matches like that, but you start to go, all right, come on, get keep me interested, keep me on this um, this crest of a wave that I've got with wrestling, keep me keep me going, um, and yeah, I, but I, I want to see that match now. You've booked it. Well, that WrestleMania match. It sounds good. I just, don't. Just I... for the entrances. <laughs> Well, yeah, look, I, I thought this the other day. Sometimes I think maybe I just watch entrances for the wrestlers, uh, for Edge Wrestling's for the entrances. Maybe that's the only reason I watch. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I think that may happen. Deep down, I got this feeling. I don't think it's a one and done. I think it's a, a really nice end to that story. So, so we, we will see. But who knows? He's coming back at Saudi Arabia if the Saudi Arabia show goes ahead. Again, if you want to go, look, if the politi- I'm not going to talk about the political stuff because it goes down because I don't want to tread on uh, legal toes. That's my main worry. Mm-hmm. But once it's all, you know, it's like the Ronaldo stuff, as I was talking about the other day on the weekend gaming podcast i don't yeah. i would talk about the ronaldo stuff once i know all the facts otherwise you get yourself into a world of trouble and i'm not educated enough to to do that so if the saudi arabia show does have a big fallout i absolutely will talk about it on this show i'll go in i'll go in knees deep hopefully i've made it clear that yes i find it difficult and controversial and i'd rather it wasn't happening um i'm happy to say that you know i'm not worried about it um but we'll, we'll see what happens but maybe Shawn Michaels mm. comes back at Crown Jewel. Maybe it goes ahead and maybe he goes on to WrestleMania 35 to take on The Undertaker to retirement. And if he does, remember, just like predicting Shane McMahon's return, which I mm. did on this podcast 10 days before it happened, people. 10 days. I have the audio file to back it up. Uh, maybe I predicted it again. And I don't, I'm not trying to big myself up here, put myself over as wrestlers say. I may have also predicted a year before the Microsoft announced the Xbox One that it would be called the Xbox One. I predicted that. And at the time, everyone said, Miller, you're a fucking idiot. That was a quote. Miller, you are a fucking idiot. One year later, Xbox One. Right, enough of that. I'm an idiot. James, thank you very much for joining me today. I honestly, I think your F1 theory is brilliant. And I think it's almost like a model into the murky waters that WWE could head. So good. Th- I hope you thought of this in the shower as well. All good thoughts come in the shower. All of them. Um, well, Maybe. Maybe it did come up in the shower, or maybe it was a bus ride. Who knows? <laughs> who who knows where it's come from? But it, it's been milling about in my head for a bit. So yeah, I, I I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Um, I have a video going up on What Culture soon, which is my best shower thought ever. I'm not going to say what it is. I'm going to tease it. Keep an eye on my Twitter at Simon316. It's my favorite wide video ever. And it's the best shower thought. It's all about Triple H. And it came to me in the shower. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I, I emailed what culture so quick going, please, please let me do this. Triple H in the shower. I know, man. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a fault. That, that's how I like to live. And I'm sure my girlfriend never, if she ever listens to this podcast, is now going to be like, uh, excuse me, Simon. <laughs> why, why were you in the shower so long, Simon? Oh, I was thinking um, about nothing. Triple H. <laughs> but technically, I was thinking about how to do a video about Triple H. But still, <laughs> you, need, you need contact to that. Anyway, James, thank you so much for joining me. Anything you want to pimp or throw out there? Um, just same as always. Listen to your teachers. <laughs> exactly because they always have education to fall back on that's the main yes. thing that's the main thing. well james thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it. again i really enjoyed this it was a really interesting chat so thank you very much 
Thanks for having me on again, uh, Simon. You're very Brilliant. welcome. You're very welcome. Again, on Twitter, at Simon316. Instagram, at Simon316. All supported by Patreon.com forward slash Simon316. That is your gateway to the world of Simon Miller. Go on YouTube, YouTube.com for the Miller Report rules. Uh, check out What Culture's content as well. I'm over there. If you're on Facebook, search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast group. Come and like us. Come say hello. Always good. Come be involved in the discussion. Give us five stars on iTunes or whatever kind of service you're using. I think I've pipped everything. Thank you very much for listening to me. Enjoy the weekend if you're listening to this at the weekend. And I will talk to you again in but a few days. Yeah.